Hello, welcome to Adapt, a show all about the iPad. This is episode three. My name is Ryan Christoffel, and I'm joined by my co-host, Federico Vitici. How are you, Federico? Hello, Ryan. I am recovering from WWDC, uh, as usual. I come back from the conference and I have some kind of illness, but I'm doing great overall. Like, spiritually speaking, I'm doing great. Oh, that's good. And, uh, you know, after after the high that is WWDC and iPad OS and several other things, that's that's good that you're doing well. Yeah. How are you? Uh, I, I'm doing good. I'm recovering as well, despite the fact that I wasn't at the conference. There's a lot to digest, a lot to cover. And ready to dive into talking about my challenge. But then, you know, even more than the challenge, honestly, I'm excited to talk about iPodOS, which we will do later in the episode. Yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, some of our initial uh, thoughts on on some of the key features in iPodOS. We're going to answer some Q&A, and I'm sure uh, throughout the summer, we'll just have (laughs) tons and tons of content in terms of uh, what's new on iPad, what can we do on iPad. And I guess at some point, there will be challenges about iPadOS. Uh, maybe not yet because Beta 1 is a little bit, yeah, yeah still, uh, still a bit buggy. Yeah, the challenge uh, is trying to get work done on Beta 1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there could be a fun challenge, actually. I, I'm in the process of rewriting all of my shortcuts, so uh, that should be fun. Uh, we're going to talk about that in the future. Uh, today, we have a challenge that I assigned to Ryan uh, two weeks ago, just before leaving for WWDC. Um, you may argue that maybe I was a bit cruel, or maybe uh, I didn't actually foresee this, but one one part of the challenge actually helped Ryan familiarize himself with the new iOS 13 and iPadOS 13 features. So we'll see. My challenge for Ryan was write two posts for Mac Stories, one using the software keyboard on iPad, the other with dictation. So two posts, one with the software keyboard, the other with dictation, no hardware keyboard involved. How did it go? Well, I want to start with the software keyboard, which overall, it was fine. I've written posts in the past with a software keyboard. It's, you know, it's not my favorite thing to do. It's not as efficient or quick as using a hardware keyboard. The main thing that I missed is keyboard shortcuts. I have gotten so trained in text editing in the writing process to doing all kinds of keyboard shortcuts for navigating the interface and copy, cut, paste, and uh, moving between different paragraphs, different lines. And of course, without the hardware keyboard, you lose all those things. So that was kind of the biggest pain point for me. I I know that, and we're not going to talk in detail about this today, but Apple last week announced all these new gestures that are really designed for text editing. Uh, that are coming in iPadOS 13. And they may mitigate, you know, not having keyboard shortcuts available. I I don't know. They looked a little, I don't know. They looked a little complicated to me, Mm, honestly. mm. So do you have the beta installed already on your iPad? I do. I've Mm. been using it for, I didn't do it on day one this year. So I feel like patting myself on the back. Yes. Mm, Uh, I I think it was day two. But okay. you know, <laughs> well, all right then. Um, so, have you not tried the gestures at all? I honestly haven't. Mm. So, I, I did this part of the challenge of writing a post for Mac Stories using the software keyboard before iOS 13 okay. beta okay. came out. Or, I'm sorry, iPad OS 13. I'm going to do that a lot. Um, so, I, I really haven't given them a try even since then. It's just one of those things that I'm not sure I'm going to use a whole lot. 
and maybe I will. I, I just haven't given it a real shot yet. Mm. So uh, they they are really nice. They're using this new pop down from the top of the screen type of UI that sort of Apple pioneered with the Apple Pen- Pencil charging mm, design last year. Uh, now they're using that kind of special alert box in multiple places, and I think it's actually a private API. It's not something that developers can use. Um, really, my main problem with those gestures is trying to remember that they are three-finger gestures, not four-finger gestures, and I keep using four fingers. Um, I guess just because I'm more used to that type of pinching, the three fingers, so my thumb, index, and medium finger, uh, middle finger, they they feels a little bit awkward. I don't know. I guess I've never done three-finger pinch and spread before. I'm trying to get used to it because it works really, really nice. Uh, like in terms of uh, when you combine that with text selection, for example, on iPad, you can now select uh, text with one finger. So you just hold down, swipe to select, and then you perform this um, three-finger pinch and to do copy. Or you do it twice to do cut. And then you do the spread, uh, still with three fingers to do paste. It's really handy and, and fast, and it, show, it shows you this contextual UI at the top of the screen that sort of confirms what you've just done. It's just hard to remember for me at this point. So, I mean, it's been a week, so I guess we'll get used to them. And there are there are some hints on screen in terms of, um, for example, uh, three finger is also now a new gesture for undo. And Apple shows you, this is actually quite smart. Um, I was trying to undo by shaking my device last night. And when I canceled the operation, um, a, a message popped up on screen saying you can also undo by tapping with three fingers. So Apple is doing some of this sort of a walkthrough as you use your, your iOS device or iPad. Um, so I, I guess it's just a matter of time to get used to these new gestures. But then again, as I mentioned, my main problem is three fingers as opposed to four fingers. I don't know what is it about me that makes it so strange. Well, I mean, for years, we've been using four fingers to like go back to the home screen. Yeah, maybe that's it. And I, I think that's something you can still do. Although I know previously you could disable that. And it would be nice if maybe if you disabled that, then Apple would allow you to use four fingers instead of three or in addition to three for these new gestures. Uh, but I, I don't think that that's possible at the moment. Yeah. So I, yeah, the, the gestures seem okay, but honestly, I always have a keyboard attached to my iPad. I, I can't remember the last time, aside from this challenge, that I willingly took the iPad away from the keyboard and just used the software keyboard. So I don't see myself using them a lot. I mean, do you, I, I know you typically use a hardware keyboard as well. Mm. Is there a place for using these gestures and a hardware keyboard at the same time? Well, it's, I mean, it's a bit awkward, of course, if you, mm-hmm. you know, have a keyboard, you got to reach out your arm and perform a three-finger swipe, uh, three-finger pinch and spread. Um, but, uh, like, I want to go back to something that you just said, that you, you never detach your iPad from the, from the keyboard and, like, I don't know, relax on the couch and, and use touch. Like, that, that's something that I like to use sort of to switch modes. Like, if, I'm, uh, if I've been writing for, like, four hours at my desk with the physical keyboard, um, every once in a while, I like to remove the iPad and go hang out somewhere else to take a break and, and use touch instead. Yeah, I, I don't. And that's mainly because I have the 12.9-inch iPad Pro, and I just feel like it's too big to do that with. Mm. But if I had a smaller iPad, which I'm not going to get one because I don't need multiple iPads, but 
uh, I would probably do that more because I do think like the 11 inch iPad Pro or the standard, you know, 10.5 inch iPad Air, 9.7 inch. Those are ideal sizes for relaxing on the couch. I haven't found that to be true for the 12.9. Do you do that with a bigger iPad or no? Yeah, actually I do. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lots of ideas for future challenges here. Thank you, Ryan. Keep sharing these details about you and I will use them <laughs> against you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I need to think before I speak. Okay. Yes. Well, despite the fact that I, I'm not super sure about these new gestures yet, I need to definitely give them a try. But uh, one gesture that I do really love when using the software keyboard, and again, I don't really do it much these days, but I used to a lot, is there is a two-finger gesture that works in combination with the software keyboard to control the cursor. So I'm not sure when this was added. It's been there for several years, I believe, and it's still there in iPadOS 13, at least the first beta. You can put two fingers down on the software keyboard, anywhere on the keyboard, and start dragging around and it will move the cursor. Similar to what you can do on say a 3D touch enabled iPhone with pushing down using 3D touch to move the cursor around. Uh, I believe in iOS 12, even non 3D touch iPhones could do that with the holding down on the uh, space bar. Yes. So that's a great gesture. It's always felt super natural to me. So I use that when I was writing this post for Mac Stories. Um, And I think it's, you know, again, I. There's a new gesture in iPadOS to move the cursor around just by grabbing it and moving it. And maybe that'll be more natural, but I've always loved that two finger gesture. So I use that a lot in this challenge. Like I said a minute ago, the 12.9 inch iPad Pro feels a little unwieldy for me to hold and type on. And uh, I don't have any other accessories for my iPad Pro besides the smart keyboard folio. Okay. So with the last two generations of iPad Pro, I had a smart cover as well. And so I would occasionally use the smart cover, kind of fold it around to prop up the iPad in kind of a, a good typing mode where it's at an angle that the, the keyboard is before you and you can easily type without having to lay your iPad down on a flat surface. But I didn't have that this time around. And so I had to hold it or lay it flat on my lap, and that just wasn't a great experience. Um, I also miss the fact that there's no split keyboard on the iPad Pro. Mm. I know that is there on smaller iPads, the regular iPad. I'm not sure why they don't have it on the Pro. I used to have an iPad Mini that I would use all the time before I got my first iPad Pro, and that was a great device for thumb typing. I, I loved writing notes using the iPad Mini, just holding it in my hands, thumb typing. Yeah. But uh, you can't really do that with the 12.9-inch iPad Pro, at least not. Unless you have really, really big hands. Really big hands, which I I apparently do not. So I know one new thing in iPadOS that could help in this area is the floating keyboard. Yes. Which looks pretty neat. And uh, it's funny. I, I remember, I don't know how long ago it was, maybe two years ago, there was a tweet from Steve Troughton Smith that I saw where he discovered evidence of this floating keyboard oh yeah um and ios running on an ipad and i at the time i was like oh that's you know that that's not something that's ever going to actually come to a shipping version of ios that's just some weird feature that they use for testing stuff or whatever but we actually have it now and you can uh pinch the software keyboard Mm -hmm. on ipad os into this little mini iphone sized keyboard 
which also supports the new quick path typing, so you can swipe to type. And that's another thing that I think would probably be a great tool for writing on the iPad without a hardware keyboard. But again, uh, I completed the challenge before iPadOS came out. Sure. And so I didn't get to use that. I mean, that that iPhone size keyboard, it does look pretty funny, though. Like, it's it's literally like an iPhone keyboard just floating there. Uh, I don't know. I guess if you're... If you're want to maximize the things that you see on screen and you really want to save on, on keyboard space uh, I don't know maybe you're watching like a live event and you want to have Twitter open at the same time you want to have a bunch of windows open but you still want to type something I guess that's that's your solution now just have a little floating keyboard in the corner of the screen it, but it does look funny it's it's just there it's, it still looked to me like like something that was not supposed to ship but maybe Apple figured, yeah, well, why not? It does look weird, but I do think it's going to be useful in a variety of circumstances for people who do use the software keyboard regularly. Because I would hate it when, let's say, I just wanted to send a quick message to someone and you get this giant software keyboard that takes up almost half the screen rather than now you've got this little tiny corner. It's like a picture-in-picture version of a keyboard that can float around and I think it's a great idea, but I am surprised as well that it's actually shipping. All right. So this brings us to dictation. Yeah, dictation. So this was the part of the challenge that most intimidated me, for sure. Like I said, I have used the software keyboard to write on the iPad in the past, even though I don't do it regularly these days. But dictation just seemed like a different beast altogether. And I kind of have a confession to make which you alluded to a little bit earlier, uh, I sort of cheated I knew it. on this part of the challenge. <laughs> um, of course you did. Uh, so here's the thing. I- I'm going to make, make a case here that even though I There's kind no of... There's no case to make that you cheated. There's no case to make. No, no. Just, just hear me out. Okay, so I-, I confess that I cheated. I didn't complete the challenge in the exact way that you wanted me to. But I would argue that I actually cheated in a good way. It's a new definition of cheating, cheating in a good way. Yeah, so... I mean, you, what you're saying is you had to cheat, and at least you, you, you showed your cleverness in cheating. Is that correct? You were, you were extremely productive in your, in your cheating. Is that what you're saying? I mean, that works. I could, I could go with that. But actually, what I mean is that I cheated in that I made the challenge arguably harder for me while honoring the kind of the spirit of the original challenge. It's possible. That's actually true. I think you, you did make it harder for yourself. So please please describe um, what you did, even though, I mean, looking at, I was looking at your notes earlier, and it seems like a lot of work. Honestly, you should have just used the dictation keyboard. <laughs> I really uh, should have, yeah. But, I mean, I appreciate your creativity here, so please do share. So I got a little bit curious following last week's WWDC keynote, the new announcements, the new betas, and in particular, one new feature of iPadOS, but it's also on iOS and macOS, and that is voice control. So voice control is a new accessibility feature where you can use your voice to basically do anything and everything on your device without having to use touch input, without having to use a keyboard, without having to use a mouse and trackpad. You control the entire system exclusively by voice. Now, 
Apple introduced this feature with a great video. Um, they actually shared it about it in the macOS segment of the keynote. But I'd encourage everyone to check out this video. I've got a link to it in the show notes where you, you get to see uh, a person who has motor limitations but is able to control their Mac just by talking to it. Every single aspect of the Mac, not, not like the kind of things that Siri can do for you. There's so much more that you can do with voice control. And so I saw the video. I saw the introduction of the feature. I hadn't yet completed this part of the challenge. And so curiosity got the better of me. And when I decided I was going to install the beta anyways, I was like, I've got to do this part of the challenge using voice control rather than simply dictation. So the way you get started with voice control is you can activate it from the settings app. Uh, Go to settings, then accessibility, then the voice control. And once it is turned on, you can speak a variety of commands that are used to control what's going on in the system. So to a degree, it doesn't matter what app you're using. Um, There are certain ways that apps can be built that make it easier to use voice control. For example, if they're using proper tools for adding buttons, for example, then voice control can identify those buttons and you can just say, tap whatever the name of a button is. Yeah. Um, but in some cases, it's possible that depending on how an app is built, you might have to hit that button in a more complicated way, which I'll get to in a minute. Yeah. I mean, if the developer has done the work to support um, proper labels for voiceover and that kind of stuff, uh, it should work out of the box uh, with voice control. Uh, so it's also a way to, to encourage uh, proper accessibility features in, in apps uh, because they will work just by default by virtue of supporting other accessibility APIs that will work with voice control as well without having to do the other solutions that, that I guess you, you also had to use for your challenge. But yeah, it's a, uh, I just wanted to say that it was an incredible demo, um, the, the, the one that Apple showed at WWDC with the video. That person actually collaborated with Apple and provided beta feedback uh, on this feature. So that was really, really amazing. Yeah, so... I decided to use the normal writing setup that I typically use, which is writing in Ulysses. So I wrote a link post. I did not write a full article. I did not write a full app review, uh, but I decided to write a little link post commenting on another article that I wanted to share on Mac Stories. And so I did that starting from the Ulysses share extension. I kind of gave myself a little leeway here in that I didn't actually start using voice control until I got into Ulysses. And my kind of little cheat there was to you know, start by uh, clipping an excerpt of the article that I was going to write about using the Ulysses share extension from Safari. And I didn't use voice control for that part because that would have been a pain. But then once I got into Ulysses, once I actually started writing, I was using voice control full time. So one thing that immediately hit me about this feature is that it has a big learning curve. It is just a total mind shift to use words and commands, and you need to use very precise commands to have iPadOS do what you want it to do. One thing that's really helpful in this is that Apple has built in a pop-up box with a list of commands that you can use that you can view anytime you say, show me what to say. So just say that, and Apple will put this pop-up on screen, and it'll give you a long list of examples of different terminology that voice control accepts. So another thing that's helpful is that Apple has built in support for 
it sounds like a similar feature to what you were talking about earlier. There are these little hints that come in from the top of the screen when you've got voice control enabled. When you say things that voice control recognizes, you probably want to do a certain thing with that phrase, but it's not the actual correct phrase. And the voice control won't just accept those alternate phrases and do what you want. It will instead provide you a hint at the top of the screen that says, try this instead. So let me give you one example that I ran into. Uh, There is this great grid feature in voice control where you can display a grid over the entire screen that's broken up into these different boxes that are labeled with numbers. And saying one of those numbers will then kind of zoom in on that part of the screen and break it down into another grid with more numbers. And you can say another number to kind of zoom in so that you can get to being able to make a very precise uh, selection or uh, give a very precise command regarding a certain piece of content that's on screen. And so I was using the grid and you can turn it on by saying show grid. But then I was trying to get it off the screen at one point and I tried a couple different things. I said uh, cancel grid, which didn't do anything. Um, I said remove grid, which didn't do anything. But when I said remove grid, then I got a little hint at the top of the screen that said try hide grid. And so it's really clever as you are going about kind of working through this learning curve of trying to understand the exact terminology that the system wants you to use. It really helps you out in that. It it gives you these hints. It gives you direction so that you're not, you know, just left on your own trying to figure this out. I did notice that in settings, you can disable these hints if you want to. So kind of once you're a master of voice control and you don't need the hints anymore, you can turn them off. But they're definitely crucial for when you're first getting started and they make it a lot more feasible to get going sooner. Yeah, I got, I got this when uh, I was... So initially this feature was not working for me and, and I was trying to activate it by... This is totally like uh, unrelated to the challenge, but um, Shortcuts is now built in uh, with, with iOS 13 and, and iPadOS 13. It's a built-in app. And one of the benefits of having Shortcuts as a built-in app is that Apple was able to expand the actions available in Shortcuts. We'll talk about this at some point. But basically, uh, there's a whole new suite of accessibility actions that allow you to enable, disable, or toggle certain accessibility features. And voice control is one of of those features. So I was trying to toggle the voice control on and off. But it seems that the toggle action is not working. So I remade my shortcut uh, with the menu that says, do you want to turn voice control on or off? And now that's working. Uh, So I was able to play around with voice control. And I mean, I I would have been able to play around with it if only I didn't waste time trying to make my shortcut work. But that's, you know, that's a different problem. That's uh, that's my problem, really. Uh, Anyway, uh, I got these uh, suggestions when... So I was trying to say, like, click button. And I got a suggestion that said, no, say tap button. Uh, So that was interesting because Apple really doesn't want you to say click. You should say tap, of course. It's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a touch screen. So exactly. But if you're on the Mac, then click button would be the right thing to say. Sure. Yeah. I I believe so that, which makes sense. I mean, those are different things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I, I, I guess it just, I guess I would like if if it were a little bit more flexible, uh, but I'm sure this is exactly the kind of tweak that Apple can make before the final release. 
it makes sense right now to have like a like a more limited vocabulary for specific commands. I also saw that there's actually a specific vocabulary screen in voice control, so you can actually make your own commands. Uh, so that will be interesting. I wonder if I can make a custom, and I think it's possible, I, uh, make a custom phrase for running a shortcut from anywhere on iOS without having to invoke Siri. So that could be, that could be fun. I'm trying to think of all the possible ways that I can probably, like, in theory, I could use my mouse as a trigger so that when my mouse connects via Bluetooth, I could automatically run a shortcut that enables voice control, and then I could say whatever I want to run shortcuts from anywhere on the iPad. See, this is the kind of stuff that I will be thinking about this summer. Yeah, and I, I think that there's a lot of teasers in there for things to talk about in future episodes, mm-hmm. talking about connecting a mouse to your iPad. What mm-hmm. What is that, Federico? Yeah, I know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I did not know about the vocabulary thing, and I really wish that I did, because that probably would have saved me a lot of effort. But uh, that's the great thing about doing the show. I learned these things. So as it is, I love the hints. I love that you can say, show me what to say, and it'll give you a list of of helpful suggestions. I do wish that that show me what to say screen kind of had a more comprehensive list than it does now. It's got a number of helpful things, but it certainly doesn't give you, you know, every term that you can use, uh, which would be nice if it did that. Once I got the hang of things, it's pretty amazing to be able to just talk and have your computer do things for you. So I would say things like open Ulysses, open Safari, open whatever, and it would just open. I could say go home, and it would go back to the home screen, go back, and it would navigate back inside the app, which is just incredible. I mean, it, it feels so much like the future. You, you don't have to say, hey, assistant. You, you don't have to preface it with anything. Voice control just listens, and it knows what to do, which is great. So using voice control to write uh, was a bit of a mixed bag. If you don't need to spell out names, or any other kind of weird words that it has trouble understanding, then it works great. In the portions of my posts that didn't require names, uh, the system worked really well. One little hang-up that I ran into is voice control doesn't know all the time which words should be capitalized. So I actually wrote a link post about voice control using voice control. That That's the post that I wrote. And... Uh, the system didn't know to capitalize voice control. Uh, maybe it will once iPadOS 13 actually ships. But one of the nice things is you can speak it out and have it transcribe what you're saying. And then when you see something that is lowercase that should be capitalized, you just say capitalize voice control mm. and it fixes it for you. Um, if there are multiple uses of that term, then it'll put little numbers next to each of them and you just say the number and it fixes that one, which is pretty great. At the same time, names are a challenge. Uh, I assumed that I could just spell out the name letter by letter, and I tried doing that. Um, You can say something like, you know, letter A, letter B, letter C, and it will put that letter on screen. Um, One issue that I ran into, which I don't know if it's because I was doing it wrong or just because it's beta one, is that each of those letters was capitalized, and each of those letters had a space between them. So I tried spelling out a name um, for the article that was written, and it would put each letter there, but each letter had a space between them. And so I I would have had to (laughs) manually say, you know, lowercase this letter and then delete the spaces and 
that is not the most fun task when you're using voice control. Um, I actually tried at one point going to the article in Safari and using the grid system to try to highlight the name of the person who wrote the article and copy paste it. Did it work? Um, it, there might have been a way to get it to work, but I got frustrated and I gave up on it. So uh, I did actually cheat in that one part. Th- that's the theme of this episode is me cheating on my challenge. But I'm pleased you all actually admitted yourself. That's, yeah. that's very mature of you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So one thing that would have been nice, uh, particularly, I mean, it wouldn't so much help with names, but with words that are more difficult for the system to transcribe properly, uh, it'd be nice if there were kind of alternate words suggested in maybe the quick type keyboard row or just somewhere else in the voice control interface, where if you said a word, it would maybe offer up two or three suggestions of what that word might have been besides what it actually guessed that it was. Um, it's a little frustrating when you know that a word's going to be challenging for voice control to understand. And so you kind of purposely slow down and you enunciate well and you take the extra time to ensure that voice control gets the word right and then it still gets it wrong and there aren't alternate suggestions for you. So then you have to resort to spelling it out. So there's definitely some things to work out, but uh, overall, it's still an extremely powerful system. It's very impressive. Um, once I'd finished writing, I used the publishing features inside of Ulysses entirely by voice control. How? How? I mean, you have tags in this post. You, like, how did you deal with adding tags to, to the WordPress interface in Ulysses? I use the grid system a lot at this part. So I use the grid system to hit the share icon in Ulysses' toolbar. It's possible I could have just said, tap share. I didn't actually try that, uh, but I used the grid system to hit the share icon. Fortunately, I was already in publishing mode rather than, you know, Ulysses has all these different sharing export formats. It was already in publishing mode, so I didn't have to do anything different there, but um, it pulled in the title automatically. Uh, for the category, I used the grid system to tap on um, that part of the interface. So I would, you know, say show grid, I would say number two, which would zoom in on that part. Um, And then maybe one, maybe two other times, I'd have to say a number to kind of get it to zoom into the exact place that I wanted. And then I could just say tap six or tap five or whatever part of the grid contained the element that I wanted to tap. And so I did that for choosing the the type of post, the category, which was a linked post. And I did that for tags. Um, I did that for selecting the tags for the post, which, you know, was challenging but it worked and there are maybe easier ways to do that it's possible that ulysses right now supports enough accessibility labels that i could have done it without going to the pain of using the grid Uh, i think i tried that once and it didn't quite work but that's the type of thing that an app like ulysses or other apps in the future knowing that voice control exists they may optimize for that going forward which would be great so overall you know takeaways from this experiment are that, uh, first of all, writing and speaking are two very different things, which, you know, I've learned that in the course of doing this podcast itself. It's like, it's one thing to listen to a podcast and hear other people who have done it for a long time and are really good at speaking on the fly. Um, It's another thing to actually do it yourself. And same thing for writing a post. I can sit down with a keyboard and type it out. 
And I've done that so many times throughout my life that it's no problem at all. But it's like you need a different part of your brain to think about yeah. saying these words and having them written down for you. So that was a bit of a challenge itself. Even if I just used dictation, that would have been difficult. But it is so cool to use voice control and, and just have this, this futuristic way of computing whereby you speak things and your computer does them. The learning curve is certainly rough, but you know, like you said, hopefully even throughout the beta cycle, but if not, then maybe in future versions of iPadOS, Apple will be able to add additional flexibility in terms that you can use. Uh, you'll be able to better train the system to your own needs. And if that's the case, then you know, voice control is going to be a really powerful tool, both for people who really need it, uh, people who have motor limitations, and, and this will open up a world of new opportunities for them. But also, I'm really curious to see how the technology that powers voice control can lead to a better, a more powerful Siri in the future. Well, I have to admit, uh, you were quite creative with this challenge. Um, I actually, you know, when we, when we did the episode, we had no idea that voice control was going to be a feature. Um, so I commend your, your creativity here. Uh, good job. Um, honestly, you just made, li- you just made your, your own life more complicated. Uh, which is something that I can appreciate. It definitely sounds like, I mean, this is an accessibility feature, and Apple, and Apple, you know, wants to remind people that this was designed for folks with motor and other kinds of physical impairments. It is primarily an accessibility feature, but that doesn't mean this is something that comes up all the time. That doesn't mean that uh, you know that that other people cannot use it. And while while uh, you know on this show we do challenges. Uh, usually to prove a point or to explain something, I could see if my I could see myself using voice control, even though I don't have motor or physical impairments. Just if I don't want to use my wrists because maybe I'm too tired after typing for several hours, the the entire point of accessibility is to be inclusive. It's to design software for everyone, and everyone's needs are different. So uh, this is exact. I mean, beyond the the fun of the challenge and making fun of Ryan, which is always amazing. Um, I do think it's one of the most powerful in terms of like the message that Apple is, is sending and how it was designed. One of the one of the best features that I've seen in the WWDC keynote in in recent years. Really, really, really well done. Uh, so good job, Ryan, taking advantage of this for your challenge. You passed the test, I would say. Well, that's amazing, especially since I told you like three times that I cheated. So yes, well, um, I don't know if that makes you a bad grader or no. just a particularly good grader or no. what but i'm a i'm a forgiving person and um i gave you um, you know another chance uh, but you did say that you were a good cheater so <laughs> i will keep that in mind when you cheat you do it well so at least i'll give you that all um, right good job uh all right so uh we i mean there's an entire os to discuss and this is an ipad show we now we now have ipad os so it is, uh, I guess it's fair to say, it is going to be impossible to cover um, in 30 minutes all of the features that are new in OS. But the great news is we have the whole summer before September. So we're going to split it up in multiple episodes. We're going to talk about 
iPadOS new apps, uh, changes in the betas, because those will happen. Uh, I thought today, Ryan, why don't we start by talking about maybe the two key features in iPadOS, uh, files improvements and the new multitasking. That sounds great. All right, so uh, files is basically almost everything that I wanted from the files app. Uh, If you go back and read my file management section from the Beyond the Tablet story that I published a few weeks ago, you're going to see that essentially all of my requests, all of my wishes came true in iPadOS. Uh, There's a new column view that allows you to browse your files with columns like you can do with the Max Finder. And uh, that view takes advantage of the iPad's big screen, especially if you have a 12.9-inch iPad Pro. It looks really nice. You can browse by column, and once you reach a file that can be previewed, the last pane will be an inspector pane, like on the Mac, that shows you a a small, I mean, not a small, a medium-sized preview, really, uh, that uses uh, quick-look extensions um, uh, to preview the the document you've selected as a bunch of metadata details, like tags or file name or file type, date created, all that kind of stuff, and also quick actions. So, for example, for images, you can rotate them or you can crop them. There's buttons to create PDF versions of a selected file. There's even a button for videos to rotate the video directly from files, which is amazing. Um, So column view, I would say big win overall. It's uh, one of the features that I really wanted to see, and it's now now in iPadOS. Um, Native zip and unzip, also another finally. you uh, You can decompress, you can compress your files. Uh, this this was implemented by Apple exactly as I would as I was hoping they would do when you tap on a zip archive and I actually haven't tested other archive formats like rare or uh, zip maybe is another I should actually check them out and see how it works but when you tap it uh, the archive expands as a folder in the current directory that you're in and also if you want to create a new file a new zip archive sorry you can just select a file and hit the new context menu um, to and say compress, and that will create an archive. And speaking of which, context menus are a new UI element in iOS 13 and iPadOS 13. Uh, there's documentation on Apple's human interface guidelines on, on what developers can do with context menus, but essentially there's rumors that 3D Touch will be going away in the fall with the upcoming iPhones, and it's very possible that context menus and the, their home screen version, which is effectively quick actions, but done via a single long press instead of a 3D touch press, they will take the place of 3D touch actions. So context menus, they work, they're a combination of a, of a menu and pick and pop. So think of a 3D touch pick and pop, pick, pick and pop previews, combine them with contextual actions and you get the new context menus. They look really, really good, especially on the iPad because they show you this big preview of a link or a photo or a file plus a bunch of options. And developers can even create multiple layers of menus. So you can have sub-menus inside of a context menu. They're really well done. Uh, There's really tons of uh, actions that you can get access to in the files context menu. You have downloads, pinning files, compressing them, getting info, preview with quick look, super well done. Ryan, you will be happy to know that uh, you can, co- I mean, everybody knows, you can connect USB, a USB drive to files and SD cards. So that makes me at least really happy because when I do podcasts on the iPad, I no longer have to use those Wi-Fi boxes that I have 
to access the contents of my SD card, I can just plug it into my iPad and access it from files, as it should have been all along. So uh, you can now just connect a, an external device. It shows up in the files sidebar, and you can select your files, copy them um, to your local storage, copying them to any other location, and that's it. And when you're done, you can just unplug them. This is not available yet in beta 1, but you will be able to connect to SMB servers. Apple made no mention of other types of servers like WebDAV or FTP or SFTP. The idea, I guess, for now, Apple is pitching it as a way for uh, people in an office environment to connect to network shares from a computer or a server on the local network. So supporting SMB, I guess, is fine for that. I would love to see other types of servers. But if it's SMB only in, in September, that would also be fine because I just need to access my Mac Mini and my Mac Mini supports SMB sharing. And finally, there's a, a bunch of improvements to uh, how... This was not actually um, detailed by Apple during the keynote or the State of the Union, but um, when you... There's a, some API changes to um, bookmarks. So that, that's an advanced uh, file files API that I covered in my story from a few weeks ago. Uh, it, it is the ability for an app on your iPad or iPhone to get access to a folder located outside of its sandbox. A common example would be a uh, working copy accessing the IA, IA Writer folder. Um, there's a few API changes in, in uh, iPadOS and iOS 13 that make it possible for apps to get even deeper access to another apps folder, and that kind of access will be listed in your device's privacy settings screen. So you will see a new files and folders, I think, category that will show you which apps have access to folders located outside of their own container. So that's that looks really cool, actually. But that's not all, because I think, Ryan, you want to mention a few more changes to files in, in, in iPadOS. Yeah, I, I had to get these things in, even though that everything you named is just huge. And yeah. I, I was actually comparing your wish list from your Beyond the Tablet story uh -huh. with the things that they announced, and uh -huh. almost everything <laughs> was was checked off, which and I know Craig I Federici no mentioned <laughs> when you interviewed Craig Federici in mm -hmm. your episode of App Stories last week. He kind of mentioned that, <laughs> like going down the story and checking things off. So that's pretty exciting. Um, but a few things that I'm excited about. One is that the share extension for files is, I, I won't say a lot better, but there's two really important improvements. Um, when you're using save to files from another app, you can change the name of the file before you save it, which I'm very excited about. Uh, and then you can also create new folders right from the extension, which you could not do before. Uh, another change is that you can actually add folders, add files directly to the on my iPad section, which is something that I think most of us would have thought you could do two years ago when iOS 11 came out, but you couldn't. For some reason, Apple originally set up on my iPad to only work with uh, apps that needed to store files locally uh, in their own containers. I think they just forgot. <laughs> I think they just May for forgot. Maybe so, maybe. yeah. Uh, just in the last few weeks since you published Beyond the Tablet, I've been using the, the kind of workaround that you came up with. Some brilliant developer uh, had the idea <laughs> yeah. to make an app called Local Storage, <laughs> which 
puts a local storage file inside on my iPad, uh, and you can just add files to that folder, and it's fantastic. But no longer have to do that. And then finally, I cannot leave this topic without us mentioning the fact that you can now share folders Mm. for iCloud Drive, which means that maybe... Mm. I can give up Dropbox. Now, do you want to be the first person to actually test this with work files? Like, I love... I'm not ready to do that yet. We're still in the beta period. Mm. But Mm. once September comes around, I'm... I mean, I, I feel pretty good about iCloud Drive and... Yes, um, I do as well. ...various things like CloudKit, all that. I, I've, I have great experiences with them. So I'm excited about folder sharing. That's, that's a big feature request that I've had for years. If it works as advertised, I, there's a good chance that I may be able to leave Dropbox because at, at this point, there will be few features that I will miss from that service. Maybe file requests or browsing versions of files from the website. It's, it, it's something that I will seriously consider depending on how it works. But at least for me, I mean... Uh, we use CloudKit and iCloud Drive sharing uh, for Adapt. I use it with John for App Stories, and it works fine. It, it works really nice. Uh, we have no major problems over the past couple of years, so it, it is something that I will seriously consider. Okay, so with all that they've added to files, what is still missing? I mean, I, one word that I haven't really heard you say so far is the word tag. Are there any improvements to tags inside mm. files? Nope. Nope, nothing. It's still the same, surprisingly. So still a long list of tags if you have a bunch. Uh, still no way to tag a file upon saving the file from the extension. Uh, it's still really the same. I guess the only change is that you can tag, if you use column view, you can tag from the inspector pane uh, at, the end of a, at the end of a column view, uh, but that's really, that's really all there is. No, no other big changes. Um, maybe, I mean, this is your next point, but, um, you can filter by tag in search because now you have these new tokens in, in the search screen, um, which is really nice in that you can, um, you can add these different parameters like dates or like the, the name of a person who shared a file with you or a tag or a file type. And it kind of works like in photos where when you tap in the search field, you get suggestions, and when you accept them, they become these little tokens in the search box. This is actually an API for developers that they can use uh, tokenized search parameters. Um, But the problem is, you can construct all of these searches, but you cannot save them in files. You You cannot save a search as a smart folder or as a saved search anywhere in the sidebar which feels like a wasted opportunity because you built this entire UI and these tokens feature for getting refined search results, but then they're gone forever. You, you cannot save them for future reference. They're not, they're not even suggested to you as of beta one. So maybe that will get better. Maybe that will get added. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think I remember seeing on the big you know, word cloud slide with all the extra features that uh, suggestions in search are are coming it's possible that apple means something different by suggestions than what we think it should mean uh, and that what the system already does with kind of the tokenized parameters that is suggestions i'm not sure but that that may be coming in the future beta um one 
last thing that I wish was there that's not there, and it looks like probably isn't going to be coming, at least in the first version of iPadOS 13, is having photos as a file provider. You know, this is kind of similar to how it works on the Mac now. You can access pictures from your photos library from the Finder, but it's kind of a it's kind of a weird system for how you do that. Yeah. Um, and the way that Apple has decided to move forward with iPadOS and iOS is that pictures in the Photos app stay in the Photos app. You can't access them from files. And I hope that changes in the future, maybe in iPadOS 14, which we're hopefully getting next year. Um, but but I would I would certainly love to have my photos integrated with the rest of my files. So I lied. I <laughs> I told you all that we were going to talk about multitasking today. But as it turns out, uh, talking about files took a bit longer than expected. And I kind of thought this, this would happen. But here's my... Let me know what you think, Ryan. Here's my proposal. Um, we will, we're going to spend a bunch more time playing around with multitasking on iPad. Maybe there's a chance we will get some of the first app betas with multi-window support in the next couple of weeks. I know that some developers are already uh, testing them and uh, I've been talking to some of them. So why don't we save multitasking and multi-window for the next episode and uh, we can actually talk about it more in depth so that we can actually do some Q&A now. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a good idea, uh, especially because, you know, you and I have been using the new multitasking system for less than a week now. Yeah. There's still a lot to explore. There's still a lot to get used to. And in a couple of weeks, we'll have a lot more experience under our belt. So, yeah, let's let's move on to uh, this week's Ask Adapt. Fantastic. All right. Let's take a look at these questions. What do you have for me? All right. The first question comes from listener Matt. Uh, Matt says that he is looking to switch over to the iPad for everything. Uh, good Good for you, Matt, that we're right there with you. Mm, yeah. um, he asked, what are some good web design apps for iPad, uh, mainly HTML or CSS? And he's also looking for a good FTP app. Hmm. Okay, so first option that comes to mind, Matt, is Coda uh, by the folks at Panic. Um, if you're looking for the kind of integrated solution that lets you develop your website, so access uh, HTML, CSS files, other resources directly, and upload them via FTP. Coda may be your nicest and best-looking option right now. It doesn't receive a lot of updates, but uh, you know, Panic is working on a major next version of Coda for the Mac, and I guess that at some point they will also bring those changes to the iPad version and the iOS version. So fingers crossed. Uh, I really like Coda. It's it, there's an argument to be made for the fact that maybe it's a little bit outdated, but it still works, still gets the job done. So it's it's really an excellent app and it looks really nice. Um, you can take you can then take a different approach, I guess, if you don't mind splitting your uh, web design and FTP environment in multiple apps. Uh, Textastic, excellent code editor on iPad, supports a bunch of file formats, and of course, HTML and CSS are both supported. Um, you could use working copy um, if you're a web developer and you want to edit your um, web website files. Working copy is perfect for that. You can preview them and you can integra integrate with GitHub. So you can actually store all of your website-related files in a repository and make sure they're backed up and you have 
version history and diffs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Codex, another text editor that I actually use for HTML and CSS and, and JSON files. It kind of resembles Sublime Text on iOS. It's got multiple cursors. It's got customizable key bindings, uh, light and dark mode, integrates with files, and it's free for some reason. And it's really well done. So uh, go check that out. Uh, finally, I, I haven't tried this one myself. Buffer is another popular editor that comes to mind. It's got a built-in terminal and it supports Vim, but I never tried it myself because I don't understand the terminal and I don't understand Vim. Please don't, do not get upset at me. I know that we will get listeners saying, Vim is so easy, just hit this series of keys and now I'm just making them more upset. Please do. I know that Vim is amazing. It's just not for me. Uh, oh my God, they will get in touch with me. All right, so I, I mean, there's really tons of great options on the App Store and you can always, you know, go search for HTML and CSS and maybe you will find something. But among these five, I think you have pretty much what you're looking for, Matt. All right, uh, next, next question for you, Ryan. Listener Jan, I hope that I'm pronouncing this correctly, asks, how much can you do in Swift Playgrounds? I understand that you can't compile code, but is it actually possible to write in a way that to write it in a way that makes sense, or is it just for learning and playing around with things? Uh, the answer is kind of a mixed bag, honestly. The main purpose of the app is learning. Uh, that's the way that Apple presents it. That's the main thing that it's built for. But you can use it for more than that. Uh, it's certainly not a full Xcode replacement by any stretch. You can write real Swift code in it. Um, you can access the full iOS SDK and foundation from inside of Swift Playgrounds. But there are lots of important things that are missing if you want to use it as, let's say, a primary code editor. One thing that I would recommend to kind of get a little more information on Swift Playgrounds is uh, John Sundell uh, wrote a review of Swift Playgrounds 3, which came out not long ago uh, on his website. And I've got a link to that in the show notes. Uh, he goes through in detail some of the app's strengths for general coding, um, but also he highlights several areas where it falls short and it may not be the tool that you're looking for. So I definitely recommend checking that out. Yeah, great guy. I love John. He does, he does excellent work. So yeah, that's a good link. All right. Our next question comes from listener Steven, who asks, Federico, are you still using type to Siri? Yeah, I mean, Stephen Aquino, friend of the show, friend of Max, sorry, is a friend of mine. So it's really, I love that I'm answering question from Stephen, um, who, by the way, got to interview the head of, uh, if I'm not mistaken, of accessibility at Apple uh, last week. That's correct. So. That's, that's uh, you know, another podcast that you should be adding to your queue. There will be links in the show notes. Uh, so, type to Siri. I'm not using it as much anymore, primarily because I, when I'm working on the iPad, I just prefer to do things with the keyboard, and I found myself preferring to run shortcuts with my voice using either the iPhone or the HomePod. Uh, especially if I'm wearing AirPods, it's just so much easier to just say the invocation phrase and run a shortcut via voice. But this could easily change in iPadOS because there's a new Siri, sort of like type to Siri feature available from search in that if you, if you do command space or if you just open search and you type something, 
at the very end of the list of actions that you can take, uh, like search the web or, you know, stuff like that, there will be Ask Siri, uh, which basically takes your search input and uses it as a question for Siri. And if you have the um, voice output disabled for Siri, so what I do is, in Accessibility Siri, I, may, I always make sure that Siri's responses are only available for hands-free mode. So if I use the invocation phrase, Siri will speak, otherwise it will be quiet. So now in iPadOS, I can do command search, type, select manually. Unfortunately, there is no keyboard shortcut to do this. Um, ask Siri, and that will speak back to you. And that will just display the output of Siri on screen without uh, speaking back to me. So I've used it a few times already. I think I actually prefer this option to type to Siri because type to Siri still takes over your primary Siri uh, invocation method. So if you enable type to Siri, uh, when you press the side button, it'll always default to type to Siri. You cannot say when I press the side button, let me choose whether I want to talk or whether I want to type. And this for me is a way to leave Siri on the iPad a voice experience so that when I long press the side button, it's, it still defaults to voice, but I can still sort of type to Siri. I wish that it was a bit better. I w honestly, I kind of wish that Apple would just, you know, have one Siri mode, and if it detects a, a key press, it becomes instantly typed a type to Siri environment. But, you know, uh, I could see how this iPadOS feature could maybe help me use type to Siri, even though it's not really type to Siri, a bit more than, than before. All right, next, next question from listener Rowan. He wants to know, uh, what's the time... Oh, this is a good one. What's the timeline for iPad Pro updates every 18 months? Any chance we can see... We see an iPad Pro with the A13X at the end of the year. Should the iPad be on an early spec bump update cycle the same way Pro laptops should keep pace with the latest chips? Ooh, Ryan, have fun answering this one. Well, I honestly am not expecting a new iPad Pro to come out this year. Uh, we just got a big update last year, and so far, I believe the, the shortest time frame in between iPad Pro models is, what, about 15 months? Mm. Uh, and these iPad Pros came out late last year, so even if it were 15 months in between models, that would push us into early 2020. Should they do it, though? On the one hand, I could say yes, absolutely. Apple should put out new iPad Pros all the time. <laughs> but from the standpoint of a company that has a lot going on and even prioritizing the iPad, if you want to offer an update that is really worthwhile to existing users, I mean, I'd say 18 months is probably a good time frame. Right now, if they were to update the iPad Pro with, say, an A13X, I'm sure it would be great. I'm sure it'd be better than the current iPad Pros, but the iPad's biggest problem at the moment is not its hardware, it's the software. Mm, and so I, agree. I, I don't know how much value there is in offering new models every year that have better hardware when the software already isn't keeping up. Mm -hmm. Now, if, if that changes, if you know every year we get a new version of iPadOS that packs in a lot of great new features, if we start getting a lot more pro-focused apps on the iPad that push the hardware to the brink of what it's possible to do, 
then absolutely, Apple should put out new hardware every year with a new chip and other updates, and that would be great. But right now, with how things are, uh, I don't see new hardware being as important or、mm. as needed at the moment. I'm just going to say if they keep an 18 month cycle, that would put、uh, an iPad Pro refresh either just before or at WWDC 2020. Just saying. Could, could happen, maybe. I don't know. Maybe a spring event before WWDC? I don't know. Maybe WWDC, like they did two years ago with the iPad Pro 10.5 that came out,、uh, was announced during WWDC. So we'll see.、Uh, that's it for QA this week, folks.、Um, remember, if you want to ask us questions that we may consider for answering on the show, use the hashtag、uh, AskAdapt and we will. See it on Twitter. We'll, we'll look at it. We'll, we'll consider it. And maybe we will answer it on the show. And we really do appreciate all of the questions that we've been getting. And we're going to try and do our best at answering them all. Some of them are duplicates. So,、uh, you know, if we don't necessarily call you out by name,、uh, but you have a question that was similar to another one, we'll, you know, we have <laughs> a lot of duplicates. So we're going to try our best to keep it, you know, keep it fun for everybody involved. All right. So. How cruel do you want to be for your next challenge?、Uh, because I, I, I'm guessing that I will be, the, 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 you know, I will be challenged the next episode. So it all comes down to how, how much you want to retaliate from, from your dictation post. Yeah, well, considering that you basically gave me two challenges this week rather than one,、oh uh, I, I think it would only be fair that I, you know, you don't have that much going on this summer, Federico, right? I mean, Usually, right.、Um, Just play Nintendo Switch games. That's all I'm doing this summer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I know like E3 s this week. You, you're probably checking out all the games you're going to enjoy all summer. Oh, you are familiar with that. Yeah. Look at you. Well, <laughs> so I figure you should probably have something that's a little challenging. Sure. So, what I want you to do、uh, before next episode is I want you to use the app Pages. Oh, my God.、Uh, which is an Apple app.、Um, Not to write a post, not to do anything like that. I want to get a little more creative here, and I want you to get creative. I want you to use pages and specifically its ebook export functionality to create an interactive ebook that you then share with myself and our listeners. And it can be on any topic you want,、uh, it doesn't have to be. A very long book. It could just be a few pages, but I want you to use the app pages to make an ebook that has some interactive element,、um, whether it's maybe an audio recording that you embed into it,、um, some other you know, video, some other interactive element, and make an ebook out of it that can be read in Apple Books so that myself and our listeners can have some good summer reading. How does that sound?、Um- Uh, well, I hate that this sounds super fun, but also it's, it's, it is kind of cruel.、Uh, I, do love, I, so、I do love the idea of creating interactive stuff in pages. It, it's definitely something that I don't get to do often、uh, because all, all of the ebooks that we create for Mac Stories are handled by a script, which is, you know, programming is no fun.、Uh, I do kind of love the idea of, so it sort of feels like,、um, Like what the iPad was meant to be, like this kind of、uh, multi touch enabled publishing and, and writing device. So I do love the challenge. I hate you. So I have very <laughs> mixed feelings、uh, right now. 
but but no, I'm kidding. It's that's a good challenge. Um, I have some ideas because you mentioned the few pages is fine. Maybe audio or video. Uh, okay, yeah, I will. Uh, I will try my best. Okay, just so. put on your creative hat and. Uh... I don't have one, but uh, oh. Well, okay. You yeah. should get yourself a creative hat, Federico. I have a creative T-shirt. Self-care. Come on. I will do that. Okay. This is fun. All right. Well, this has been episode three of Adapt. Uh, if you want to find the show notes for this week, you can find them at our website, relay.fm/adapt/three, or just check out the show notes section of the podcast app you're listening to right now. And if you want to follow us online, Federico's on Instagram and Twitter as at Vitici. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. You can find me on Twitter as at iRyan, T-L-D-R. That's I-R-Y-A-N, T-L-D-R. And you will find both of us writing at maxstories.net. We have a lot of ground to cover in the future with iPadOS. Mm -hmm. We have uh, an ebook that you are going to share with us next time around. And now don't don't make it sound like a book. It's it's an ebook technically. It's not like it will be like like a novel or something. No. It's a small thing. Yeah, small thing. Absolutely. Mm, okay. It's got to be a couple pages, but it, it'll be good. All right, I'm, all I'm right. excited okay. about that. So mm-hmm. you've got a lot to do. Um, we've got a lot of stuff to cover. So we should probably say our goodbyes. Arrivederci. Goodbye. Goodbye.